0: If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me on this Easter morning, we're going to be looking at the Easter story according to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be at the back of Luke, Luke chapter 24. Um, If you don't have a Bible, no worries. There's a Bible in front of you. You could use that. As a matter of fact, you could take that home with you if you'd like to take it home with you. But the words will also be on the screen as well. Hope is rising. But doesn't life have a way of punching you in the gut sometimes? I mean, seriously, I mean, sometimes when you just least expect it, when you're not expecting it, all of a sudden, boom, something happens, and you get punched in the gut. Uh, Maybe something happens to us, or maybe just something that happens around us, or maybe because something happens because of us. But when that something comes and it punches in your gut, it just takes the wind out of your sails, like the tragic murder of Haley shrugs for 26 years i was on the staff of a church that had a christian school and one of the incredible blessings of being on a a staff of a a church with a christian school is your kids get to go at an amazingly discounted rate and all four of my kids were able to go to a christian school they were what we call lifers they were able to go from kindergarten or pre-k all the way through 12th grade And what a joy that was, and what a blessing for our family. The tragic shooting death of nine-year-old Haley Shrugs, a pastor's daughter at a Christian school in Nashville, just like the one that I was on staff with, along with two other nine-year-olds, a janitor, a substitute teacher, and the headmaster. I don't know about you, but it really shook me up. It was a punch in the gut i mean somehow i could relate maybe more than some others it's a pastor's daughter she was at a christian school and don't you of all the things that are broken in our lives don't you just hope that our kids will always be safe i mean don't we all long for that and i had hoped that our kids would be safe certainly in a christian school well on the day of Jesus' resurrection two dejected disciples we're walking from Jerusalem about seven miles to Emmaus. And as they're walking away from Jerusalem, having witnessed the events that happened there and Christ's crucifixion, they were talking about it on the road. And all of a sudden, Jesus appears to them, and they don't recognize him. And he asked them the question He says, Hey guys, what are you talking about on the road? And they said, Where have you been? I mean, everybody's talking about it. I mean, do you not know what happened to this Jesus of Nazareth? I mean, he was a prophet with power. I mean, no one spoke like him. And the words that he would say, and and, and what he did, I mean, he healed the lepers. And this Lazarus guy, he came back to life. It was just amazing. Here's what they said. But we had hoped. But we had hoped that he was the Messiah, We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel and rescue God's people. But they crucified him. The religious leaders turned him over, and he was crucified. Well, they had put their hope in Jesus. And they thought that Jesus' life meant more to them than what it did at that point. And here they were, walking back to their shattered lives. Here they were, going back to what they always knew. And they had hoped that Jesus was going to make a difference. Haven't you ever hoped that God was different than who he is? I mean, can we, can we be that audacious here on Easter? Haven't you ever hoped that some of the circumstances in your life were different than what they were? I mean, how many of us, I mean, I don't think you can live much more than 20 minutes and not have to say, but I had hoped. I had hoped in this. You know, I had hoped that, that maybe for some of you that the marriage was going to be different. But I had hoped that our kids wouldn't struggle the way they had. But but I had hoped that the cancer wouldn't return. But I had hoped that our income was different and our retirement would look a little different than it does. But I had hoped. I mean, I, I, I promise you, I know that each one of us can relate to that. But I had hoped. And then reality smacks us in the face. And we're left with some broken pieces. And we're trying to figure a world out. And oftentimes we cry out and say, God... I don't understand this often our understanding of God is shaped by our circumstances you hear what I said often our circumstances will shape our understanding of God and when our hope dies our understanding of God often dies too I've seen it even in the ministry but Jesus had to suffer Jesus is going to prove to these two dejected disciples that this scripture foretold that it was necessary for the Messiah to suffer. They missed it. They thought the Messiah was going to come into town, kick Rome out, and all of a sudden the, the kingdom on earth was going to be here. But he was going to prove to them that no, no, no. He came for something much more, that he must suffer. Jesus is going to suffer that's going to lead to glory. But here's what he does he tells us even more that there's a pattern there's a biblical pattern to the Bible there's a pattern to Jesus there's a pattern to our life all of our lives and it's important we get this pattern sooner than later suffering precedes glory it was true in God's Word it is true with God's Son it is true with you it is true with me Uh, suffering is going to precede glory We can either let our suffering shape our view of God, or we can let Christ's suffering shape our view of our circumstances. You hear what I said? Either you're going to look through the brokenness of your life, the tears of your life, and you're going to try to figure out who God is. And sometimes you're going to be able to say, I don't see him. I don't understand him. Or you can look through the brokenness of the cross and the hope of the resurrection and see your circumstances with hope. If we let our circumstances shape our view of God, that will lead to despair and disappointment every time. But if we let Christ's suffering shape our view of our circumstances, hope rises. Eternal hope. Secured hope. Resurrected hope. And that is why we are here today. Today we celebrate a victory in Christ Jesus that absolutely changes everything in heaven and earth and in our lives. Today we celebrate the fact that hope never dies. Because Jesus will never die. We're going to see a crown, uh, I'm sorry, a cross precedes a crown, and suffering precedes glory. I got three points for you this morning. Suffering precedes glory in God's story, and we're going to look at the big story. Suffering precedes glory in Jesus' story. We're going to look at a little of his life. And then we're going to end with us. Suffering precedes glory in our story as well. We're going to look to the Gospel of Luke, and I'm going to read to you Luke 24. We're going to look at verses 1 all the way through 49. It'll start at the tomb, uh, that it will go to the road to Emmaus with these two disciples, and it's going to end with Jesus and his disciples in the upper room. It's incredible. Of all the things we did in our worship service today, they're all important, but this is the most. This, This is God's Word. It's holy and errant, and it'll never lead us astray. So, as I read the Word of God, please listen to the Word of God this morning and have the victory. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, Now was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to be an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter, he rose and ran to the tomb, and stooping uh, and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went at home marveling at what happened. That very day. Two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they were talking with with each other about these things that had happened, while they were walking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them said, named Clopas, uh, by the way, he's the one who gets named, the other one doesn't, interesting, Uh, answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know these things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and the rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But him they did not see. And he said to them, this is Jesus, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he was going far, farther, But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it's toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he we went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? While he opened up the scripture, and they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, seven more miles, and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told him what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. And as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Shalom, peace, But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet. This is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, and I love this, he's hungry have you anything to eat they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it before them let me just tell you he wanted to make sure that everyone knew it was more than a spirit it was a resurrected body touch me i'm going to eat fish then he said to them these are my words that i spoke to you while i was still with you that everything written about me and the law of moses And the prophets and the the Psalms must be fulfilled. Now hit pause there and say, that's the whole Scripture Bible. The law of Moses, they start with Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. He's saying, your Bible, it's all about me. Then he opened up their minds to understand the Scripture. Oh Lord, do the same for us. And said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed In his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses to these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, the Holy Spirit. But stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, we thank you for the amazing victory that Christ Jesus has won for us. And Lord, we thank you for that, to that road to Emmaus, that Jesus would appear to those disciples that were just so brokenhearted. And I think that in this room, all of us and those watching online can understand what it feels like to have hope shattered, to have their circumstances kind of define who you are. But God, we thank you that you opened up Scripture to them and you showed them that it was true and necessary that the Christ must suffer. Oh, God, would you open up Scripture to us? Would you give us ears to hear your voice? God, would you give us minds that understand your word? Would you give us hearts that would embrace your truth? And God, would you give us feet to walk in a manner worthy of your name? God, the things that I say that are wrong are merely my opinion. Let those things fall away and be forgotten. But, oh, God, the things that are said that are true and contain the good news of the gospel, use those things to make us more like your Son, our Savior, Jesus. And it's in his matchless name that we pray amen so then you have this road to emmaus on the road to emmaus i love it is that jesus is going to open up the bible for them he's going to open up scripture and he is going to show them listen here's the whole point suffering precedes glory suffering precedes glory in god's story jesus's story your story and my story and what he's going to do i love the reality too is he begins with moses and the prophets and the psalms he goes very to the very beginning of this story and he showed them the reality suffering precedes glory here's what we got to learn as well this is one story this is god's word it never lead us astray sometimes we say all we need is the new testament all we need is the story of jesus it gets a lot better there's a lot of weird things in the old testament but where did jesus start he starts in the very beginning this story is about him the story is about how he redeems us This story is his love letter to us, and it's one beautiful story. You could take this whole story, and if he begins with Moses' and whole story, you could break Scripture down into four segments, four pieces, uh, four kind of stories. There's creation, there's fall, there's redemption, and then there's restoration. The first thing we see is creation. If you open up your Bibles, it's going to be in Genesis 1 and 2. And it's absolutely amazing. It tells us this, that God created all things by speaking them into existence. Blow your mind. He created all things out of nothing. Now, Genesis 1 and 2, it's not a, it's not a science book. It's really more poetic language. It's beautiful. God is going to tell us what we need to know. And there's a lot he doesn't tell us. But here's what we know. There is a God, and he is creator, and he created all things, and it's amazing. And he tells us why he created it. He created the earth. Guess why? For his glory to show how amazing he is so when you see a sunset you say oh my gosh and when you go to the ocean you say god do you be the glory when you go see mountains you say oh that is amazing all of god's creation is to be to tell his, his uh, for his glory but he made something amazing unique in creation that's you and me male and female in his image his reflection of all the things he created we're the most special why because we reflect him he's the most special he created us to know him love him walk with him to be known by him I mean that's what a blessing of all the things he created male and female in his image but he created us for a purpose to fill the earth with His glory to be fruitful to multiply but something went tragically wrong and it only took three chapters of the Bible so you have creation The next thing you have is the fall it's Genesis 3 our rebellion and sin against God here's what it caused it caused a fall into a curse of sin and death why is it so bad why do you wake up in the morning and look at your app and say I can't believe what's happening in our world why does our heart break with everything that's happening because according to the Bible now hit pause I love the fact the Bible tells me helps me understand the world around us the world is broken I am broken you are broken we are surrounded by death we are surrounded by brokenness sin and cancer it's all around us and according to the Bible it all came because of our rebellion of God there was a curse that we're living with and sin and death is is come from that reality that fall and how did we fall we didn't believe God's word that's interesting Satan shows up says did God really say this don't believe him don't trust god's word and then we didn't believe god's heart you know god doesn't want you to be like him he doesn't want you to know the difference between good and evil he's trying to keep something from you so when we don't believe god's word and we don't trust god's heart we rebel and what did adam and eve do they basically said we want to be our own gods and what happened separation from god a curse over all things sin and death but the third part of the story of the bible is redemption And it starts right there in chapter 3 in Genesis 2. The entire Bible from Genesis 3 all the way to the last two chapters of Revelation is the story of redemption. How God relentlessly pursues you and me, sinners. How God doesn't give up on us. How God won't stop loving us. As much knuckleheadedness as we are of all the dumb and stupid things we do, God just keeps loving. He keeps pursuing. He keeps coming after us. And then you realize it's He he loves us through our own suffering, and it's actually through His suffering that we have been set free. That's redemption. It's Genesis 3, 14 through Revelation 20. And then there's restoration. It's Revelation 20 and 21. God and His beloved people will dwell together one day in restored perfection in paradise. We're not there yet. Don't buy any book that says your best life is now. It's a lie. We're not there yet because we're not with Him, right? There's a day coming. No more praying for neighbors there's a day coming that brokenness will not be there anymore there's a day coming we don't have to worry about a scam there's a day coming death is going to be completely banished there's a day coming it's not here yet but he promises Easter promises us that day is going to arrive he calls it a new heaven a new earth he says I'm gonna be with you and you're gonna dwell with me forever restoration oh how we long for that because of Easter Jesus's victory over sin and death we know that that day is coming that we will dwell with him and he will make all things new amen but suffering precedes glory even in god's story but let's look at this suffering precedes glory in jesus's story they were saying this jesus should have been the messiah these disciples thought let me read that to you again and he said to them "O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe that all the prophets have spoken was it not necessary that this promised Messiah should suffer these things and enter his glory. Suffering precedes glory. And beginning from the very beginning, Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them and all the scriptures the things concerning himself. All this points to Jesus. All of it. It's beautiful. I love it. All the scripture, how it all is about him. It's absolutely amazing. And how he is going to redeem us. Now, I'm going to look at three things this morning to show you. There's so many things I could say. If he says all of Scripture is about me, I want, to, I want to just show you three big things of the Bible that you could say, this is how it points to Jesus and how he will fulfill them. Remember, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. So Jesus is three things. He is the seed that was promised to come that would kill Satan in Genesis 3. He is the Passover lamb that will shed his blood to save us from death. And he is the suffering servant who was pierced for our transgressions. The first thing is this. Jesus is the seed to come who's going to break the curse by defeating Satan, sin, and death. Scripture tells us some amazing good news. I hope you heard it. That Jesus came to seek to save the lost. That's you and me. That's his whole mission. I came for you. To seek and to save the lost, he had to deal with which, which made us lost. A curse, sin and death. Everything that separated us from God, he had to deal with, and he did. And how did he do it? How did he break the curse? How did he defeat sin and death? Well, that first promise comes to us of the gospel way back in Genesis chapter 3. Let me read you a little bit of Genesis 3, verse 15. Man and woman have rebelled against God. God is going to tell them what the consequences are. And then he says this. He says, I'm gonna put enmity between you, Satan, and the woman, and between your seed, Satan, and her offspring, her seed. He, the seed of the woman, shall bruise your head, uh, shall bruise his head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now I'm sure most of you are saying, What in the world is that talking about? Let me tell you what it is. Jesus says, the day's coming where a seed is gonna come that's gonna trample on Satan, death, and evil. A day's coming. I promise a seed. Specifically, I promise a seed of a woman that's going to come and crush Satan, the serpent's head. And you know what? The serpent's going to nip his heel. He's going to hes going to reach out for him. So the story of the Bible is this: promised seed. You follow the seed. It's like a bouncing ball through the Scripture. And then you get to the New Testament, Galatians chapter 4. Stick with me. It says this, but when the fullness of time had come, it's like, the gestation period of time god sent forth his son think christmas born of a woman huh why does it say born of a woman well here's that woman's seed it had to be through that virgin mary the story doesn't make sense without it born under the law to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoptions as sons so here we see jesus born of the woman the seed of the woman born under the law to fulfill the law for us jesus crushes satan's head to his life death and resurrection that's the seed to come amazing i would imagine he said to those disciples on the road you know that promised seed it's me and then he, i'm sure he talks about the passover lamb so god's people according to god's story they they found themselves in slavery in egypt 400 years and god heard their cries he says no more i'm going to lead you to the promised land and he sends these plagues on Pharaoh, 10 of them, to make sure that Pharaoh knew that he was only God and he was strong and mighty. And he mocked all of the gods of Egypt. And the last plague was, oh, it was terrible. It was the death of the firstborn son. But God said, my people, I'm gonna spare you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a spotless lamb. I want you to take a spotless lamb and I want you to sacrifice it. And I want you to take the blood of that lamb and I want you to put it on your door frame. Because when death comes by, and the final plague is going to go to the Egyptians, I'm going to pass by your homes, and you can live. And they did. It was amazing. They took this Passover spotless lamb, and and they sacrificed it. They took the blood, and they put it over their door frames. And that night, when the Egyptians lost their firstborn, God's people lived. As a matter of fact, they were led out of slavery into the promised land. It's a great story. It's a true story. But it only foretold of the ultimate Passover lamb. You know who the ultimate Passover lamb is? It's Jesus. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 tells us that. You know that his blood shed for us has his death pass over us? That we can now pass from death to life because of his blood? That he leads us to the true promised land, the promised land of being with the Father in glory? We too are like now wandering in the wilderness. When you think of that seed to come, it's Jesus. When you think of the true Passover lamb, it's Jesus and then there's one more the suffering servant there's a prophet by the name of isaiah he lived 700 years before jesus let that sit in 700 years before jesus shows up the prophet isaiah said that there's going to be a servant that comes of the lord who's going to suffer and he's going to suffer unlike anybody else he's nothing's going to draw us to him by his physical appearance but he through his wounds we are going to be healed Hear the words of Isaiah. Isaiah 53. I'm going to start with three and go through five. He, Jesus, was despised and rejected by men, was he not? He is a man of sorrows acquainted with grief, and one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But listen to this but he was pierced on the cross for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and by his wounds we are healed here's what it says in Christ Jesus on that cross we find healing through suffering Jesus is suffering we are saved for Jesus the cross precedes the crown lastly with this one Philippians 2 says this about Jesus have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though Jesus is in the very form of God, he did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. But here's what Jesus did. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, by being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. I mean, that is, that is suffering. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. That the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. For Jesus' suffering preceded glory. I love the movie Sixth Sense. Have you ever seen the movie Sixth Sense? I'm about ready to blow it for you, but it was so long ago, this is not blowing it for you. I saw it. Katie and I went to his pastor's convention. And we saw this movie it blew my mind um, scared me to death Uh, Bruce Willis plays a a role of a child psychiatrist and he throughout the movie is counseling a young boy who thinks he sees dead people kind of freaky right and so he thinks he sees dead people and uh, the movies kind of a little bit scary um, and at the end of the movie you realize "Oh oh Bruce Willis is actually dead and the boy is Not being helped by Bruce Willis, the boy is really helping the child psychologist understand he's dead. And all of a sudden, you realize, whoa, I missed the plot line! Holy cow! Wait a minute, reversal! You know, like, oh my gosh, blow your mind! Like, I got to go back and see the whole thing. You mean the whole time he's dead? Are you kidding me? That is absolutely amazing! Great movie, old movie. I I hear Bruce Willis is not doing well. We probably need to pray for him. His health is struggling, but. Once something like that, a plot line changes, you immediately see everything differently. That plot line changed for the disciples. Their hearts were on fire. They're like, are you kidding me? He opened up scripture, and all of a sudden, they were burning inside, realizing of what Jesus had done for them. Have your hearts burned because of what Christ has done for you? Lastly, beloved church, suffering precedes glory in our stories. I'm going to give you, just read some scripture for you. I'm going to read you Jesus' words. Jesus says this to you and me in John 16, 33. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. But in this world, you're going to have tribulation. But take heart, I've overcome the world. You know what Jesus says? This world is messed up, and it's going to affect you. Bad stuff is going to happen to you. Just because you're mine, it doesn't mean you're exempt. It's coming. But be of good cheer. I've conquered the world. Peter says it this way in 1 Peter 4.12, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. It says, don't be surprised by fiery trials. How come we are? How come our life bottoms out? We're like, what happened? How come? The world is messed up. It's broken. So are we. It's going to come. Don't be surprised, but he overcame it. Suffering precedes glory. Paul's words, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, For this light, momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Paul's saying life is difficult, but really compared to what you're going to and where you're going home, it's light and momentary. God is going to take all the brokenness and all the sadness away. He's going to give you life and glory in him. James's word. James 1, 2, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Are you kidding me? Count it joy? For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let your steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfected and complete, lacking in nothing. It says this, our suffering has purpose. It produces something. We all suffer, and it hurts. One day we will know more, but suffering precedes glory. So what do we do? How do we respond? Well, we know this, that repentance precedes forgiveness. Luke twenty four forty seven. it says this, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer, and on the third raised from the dead. So what do we do? And that the repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. Repentance of our sins precedes to forgiveness. Forgiveness precedes to freedom john 8 36 says this so if you have the son the son sets you free and if the son sets you free you're free indeed this is basically saying if you are a believer in the lord jesus christ as your lord and savior your sins have been paid there's no condemnation you are loved he's preparing a place for you you're free in christ you're free from the the bondage of sin and death you are free to live as god desired you're free in christ Freedom secures glory. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. For whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order the world might be saved through him. For us, suffering precedes glory. But when you understand the resurrection of Christ, and you understand what he taught to those disciples on the road to Emmaus, it gives us hope it gives us the reality that god is with us and for us and one of these days all the suffering will come to an end in front of you in each one of you there's a little card here called the words of hope and in there it's john 316 and this will remind us of the fact that we have hope in christ jesus no matter what happens let me encourage you to take one home there's also some more inside. If you can see, if you want to pull that out, there's some more for you. Take it home. Look at that. Pray over it, and realize that in Christ Jesus, hope is rising. Amen. I gave you the deep end today, didn't I? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that your word tells us the truth that in this world we're going to have some struggle. And I thank you that that struggle included Jesus' struggle. No one suffered like he did. He truly is the man of sorrows. And it's absolutely incredible that through his wounds we find our healing, that we know that we're forgiven and free. Jesus, you came to reverse the curse. You came to trample down sin and death, and you succeeded. Easter proclaims that. God, may we live our lives now with hope always rising. Oh, may the reality of Christ define our circumstances and never let our circumstances define who Christ is. God, if we live our lives and said, but we had hope for something different, may we always find the joy in the life that comes from you. Because Father, you're going to give us what we need. Jesus, you have secured for us what we long for. And Spirit, you are our comfort inside of us. Oh God, may we live with hope. We pray in Christ's name, amen.